Welcome to another edition of the Hangout Podcast. This is your host, Juan Hernandez. Today, I'm joined by my very special guest, Haley Martinez. Haley, how's it going today? Pretty good. Pretty good, man. Thank you. It's always a blast uh, coming over to Baytown and uh, just sit down and have a, a chat with you and do a little guitar lesson either before or afterwards. It's always fun. Yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Uh, we get to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, including doing guitar stuff and, and world stuff. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, we were talking earlier before we started recording about uh, taking trips and traveling, and I noticed that you have the Beatles Abbey Road uh, album cover on, on your right. wall here. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. You, um, I know you travel a lot in your time as a musician. Uh, any particular places that you've uh, enjoyed going to, going back to? I like to I, I liked Amsterdam. That was really nice. Cause really, you, you get the old world, um, and you get the Amsterdam itself. Uh, I'd never been before, and it was just a blast to see how how it all worked. You know, what part of uh, what part of uh, Europe is that? Amsterdam is that? That's Holland. Holland, Holland, okay. Holland, which is uh, nestled uh, right right close to the to the Black Sea and. Real close to Belgium, France, uh, a little farther away from Germany, but uh, right across the channel, the English Channel from England. So oh, okay. it's right there, kind of a little bit northern. It's cool. It's a little bit colder environment out there. I know Amsterdam is very notorious for you know being Amsterdam. Right. Just when you say, "Oh, I'm going to Amsterdam," people. Would Right. Immediately they think the the pot thing, and there's right. that. There's that. Right. And we were talking about it actually on the phone the other day about how how convenient it is for you to go to a store and go to a dispensary and just buy pot. Yeah. Well, you do have to have a license. Like mm -hmm. when you go over there, you think that it's really rampant all over the streets. It's not. It's not. So. So it's kind of like. Uh, Kind of like California, Colorado, yes. where you have to actually have a, a, license. a, a license to yeah. actually purchase it. You can't just walk outside and start walking and start smoking a joint. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. If you're walking, if you're, let's say, at a hotel in Amsterdam, and you walk outside and you see all these people walking around. You go to a park close to downtown. You see all these, all these little cafes. Well, some of them will have their license, you know, tacked outside where you could see it. And it's, it's, that means you can smoke in there and buy it in there. Okay. And, uh, but there's other cafes just like those that you can't buy it at because they don't have the license for it. So it's regulated and you can't, you can buy it when you're in there, smoke it, sit down and play pool, listen to music. Mm -hmm. And it's, when you walk into those places like that, like a cafe where you can smoke, they have it's there's a menu and you can actually see afghanistan gold hawaiian this they have blocks of hash on display then you just say give me some of that give me some of that give me right, some of that right. and you'll walk in and you'll see guys and girls sitting at the bar and they're just reading the local paper and they got a joint sitting there instead of a cigarette you know or a cup of coffee and a cup of coffee <laughs> you know it's like no big deal, you know. Right. But but you can't. You can buy it and put it in your pocket and walk outside and go home or whatever. But you can't walk outside and start smoking it. Smoking in the yeah. street. So it's kind of like, kind of like uh, alcohol. Yeah. You can't. You can buy alcohol, but you can't 
drink it out in the street or anything like that right. where where it's considered a public intoxication right exactly okay. no you can't do that and so they have rules and regulations for it. well at least it's regulated you know i know it's once you start regulating stuff like that you know it kind of i mean i'd say personally the crime starts it, going not all the way down but it starts being reduced it takes it away from mm. the dealers you know right right kind of like kind of like here in the united states where you're seeing states now that are legalizing marijuana for medicinal purposes recreational purposes and right it won't be long until the whole country's i regulated. think it's inevitable really so you can't you, know? you can't really stop it i mean it's already you can't you can't and plus all the you know when you tax it like you say you can Mm-hmm. That state all of a sudden gets all this money from the taxing, take care of a lot of the uh, the problems they have in that state. Mm-hmm. So what do you th- what do you think? And this is a question I always ask myself. What do you think the main problem is from from marijuana not being regulated like it like it is in other states? Do you, what what's what's being held back? Is it the politicians? Is it the well, the politicians are kind of kind of go by what their people tell them to do. So, mm-hmm. in different parts of the country, to me, and to a lot of people, depending on what kind, it can mean religion. It can be how they, you know, personal people feel that uh, it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is how many people in that state feel that it would be okay to do it. There's a lot of people who don't that that think the world is going to end if you if you you know you smoke it that it'll bring corruption and all that right and i, th- I think people see it as kind of like once they start regulating it, everybody's going to start smoking it's Correct. like that's not that's it's not just like deal. alcohol you know not everybody drinks alcohol no no so it's, no i, j- I kind of see it as that as i mean once they regulate it yeah okay who cares i'm not going to smoke exactly it. all yeah <laughs> all that you know you won't it won't be people won't be rampant running through yeah. the streets raping and all that. Right, That's not going right, to happen, you right. know. So, only, it's only only in the movies. <laughs> only in the movies. <laughs> what was the one of the main uh I guess main things that you liked about going to Amsterdam? What what, what year did you go? Do you remember? I think it would have been uh in the early 2000s, you know, 1999, 2000. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. It was really nice. I got to go to their uh, the the uh, you know the flower over there is the tulip, so I got to go to what they call the tulip festival, which is called Kokenhof, and you can take buses to the. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see the windmills, you know, mm-hmm. the wooden shoes, all that that you grew up here in the states when you were a kid and going through elementary. They said this is what Holland is like, you know, the windmills right. and all. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the city, like in Amsterdam. You also have the, uh, the 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 sex thing is regulated like drugs are. You know, you right. can you can be walking down the uh, street and see a girl behind a, a, a behind a glass deal, and you can walk out, up and knock and buy mm-hmm. sex. Wow! And uh, but they're regulated. They're 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 given you know health inspections, make sure they're clean. Make sure that it's it's uh, it's safe to do it, you know. So they regulate that too. Uh, but I wanted to see the whole the whole uh, Holland thing, you know, the, the, the whole culture, the whole culture, the mm-hmm. whole thing, and the old European buildings, you know. I wanted to see those. Right. 
I love all the architecture stuff, whether it's, uh, you know, from Europe or Mexico. I know Mexico has a whole lot and I've seen a whole bunch of uh, like old, old buildings and yeah. old apartments, yeah, old that, little stores and shops. And the, and the haciendas. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And the old barrios, you know. Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting. I'd, I would really love to visit Amsterdam one day. See, you see would. what that's like. It, it would be neat. And also it has so much history because... You have Amsterdam, and then you have the other big cities like Rotterdam. Mm -hmm. And Rotterdam was bombed to oblivion from, from the Nazis during World War II. Mm -hmm. But it came back, you know. So it's they managed to, after the war, they managed to rebuild it. Big shipping uh, city, you know, where a lot of goods come in and go out pr from Rotterdam. But they got bombed big time by the Nazis, you know, so it has a lot of history of hardship that they went through. So um, it's, a, it's a really cool place to go visit. I know we talked about before uh, uh, you playing in South Korea. Yeah. How is going to South Korea like how? I mean, I've only based on what I've seen and what I've read about, what I've heard about, but to actually go visit, what, what's that like? It's so different because now you're in, I mean, from being from America and all of a sudden you find yourself in South Korea. And remember, North Korea is above it's it. Right on top. Know, right on top of it. And they have the, uh, the, the DMZ, the Demilitarized Zone, which is they've got soldiers on one side of the line and soldiers on this side of the line. And you get the feeling that the war is just any time it could break out between the North and the South. You know, right. the North being really paranoid with Kim Jong-un, you know, and ready to, they think we're ready to strike them. And they, they're they really poor in North Korea because they spend most of their money on military, you know. So, uh, but but the South Koreans, you get the feeling of the uh, modern uh East, you know, all the electronics and all that. It, so, so it's you, more, it's more Americanized. Yeah, yeah, mm, okay. and it's 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 got all the electronics. It's got the cities are really beautiful. You know, North Korea is not like that. But we used to go play in the bases where uh, we'd take a van to each, depending on the city we were in, and uh, we'd take a van to the army bases, the air force, or the navy bases. And immediately you get to, you pass a lot of check posts where there's soldiers with automatic weapons, you know, and stuff. So immediately you get the feeling that something could happen any time. So although it's modernized and all that, it's you still get the feeling that, and the war happened there, the, the Korean War. So you, you still get glimpses of, of like, gosh, you get the feeling that it just happened, kind of. Right. You know? Right. What uh, around what time was was when you visited South Korea? Was this in the late nineties? That would have been around ninety five. Yeah, ninety five. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay. So it was pretty. It was cold too. Oh, it was around it, winter it, time. It was or? around winter time, oh and it's a lot of snow. You know, a lot of snow, and the, and uh, we were able to go at night after we would play a gig. We were able to go to the American to the section that's sectioned off for in the city that's sectioned off for the american troops where they can go and they can be safe you know okay and there's bars and there's restaurants street vendors you know, so uh the the food there's there's the chicken sticks and the beef sticks they call bulgogi 
and that was really great to, to eat that at night you know that's, so that's pretty cool but it gets cold it gets cold <laughs> I, I bet it does, especially if it's snowing. Frozen yeah. lakes, you know, oh, frozen God. rivers and all Please. that. And then you have to go play. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, any other uh, places in particular, um, aside from here in the States, which I'll get to in a little bit, um, like overseas or other countries or anything like that? that well, you actually, when I was much younger, we, we were always in a van going all over the country. And uh, on one of those jaunts, uh, we we went up the west coast we went up we started like in texas we went through we we'd play for a couple of three months in new mexico going to nevada going to las vegas play there for a little bit then go into california keep going up the west coast we'd go into oregon and play a few holiday inns uh hilton's and they'd give us rooms and we'd stay for and meals and we'd and give us a paycheck and uh, we would play five nights a week. So uh, we'd keep on going up the, the coast and we'd get into Washington and, uh, and just experience all that, then go over the border into Canada, which was uh, British Columbia. And that, uh, the, the city was, uh, God, what was the name of that? Uh, right over the border in Canada and it was beautiful out there except that a lot of snow Edmonton Alberta Alberta is the state mm-hmm. so and that's the west coast and I really enjoyed that I really enjoyed that because I you get to see the uh the poor po- parts of Canada and the beautiful parts wow and Canada's a really big really really big uh, yeah, country it is it is but mostly people tend to go I think it's only Towards the northern east coast, eastern yeah, side, Quebec, and Quebec, all. Uh, Winnipeg, right, and all those uh, major cities over there, and a lot of people tend to forget about the about the, like other, the other side, the other side, yeah. Which yeah. I'm guessing there's, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more over there, a lot of mountains, a lot of, uh, I know there's a lot yeah, of it forests, is. it is, it is, and wood areas. In the winter, it's just a lot of snow, a lot oh, of yeah. snow. Absolutely. But I liked it too. I liked that Canada, too. Canada, wow, that's, that's yeah. crazy. You've been to Me- down to Mexico also many, many, many times. Yes, right? yes. And, and Mexico, is, of course, it's changed. It's changed. So. Oh, definitely. A lot. I don't I, know when I'll get to go back because uh, I just never found myself uh, in, in a situation where it was I want, where it was time to go back. But I do want to go like to Querétaro where I spent a, a couple of years when I was young living there and going to school there kind of so, just to revisit and yeah and, and see how it's changed get all those memories coming back yeah, to you yeah come back going to school yeah that's crazy that you went that you were actually living over there and going to school yeah yeah i mean one day i was here going to just started junior high and then all of a sudden next day i was in in mexico and they were enrolling me in school there and uh nobody spoke english where I was at, I was I was living in a little barrio with my grandfather and my aunts, and uh, they enrolled me in a school there because I had asthma real bad, and uh, the doctor told my mom and dad that if they didn't get me out of Baytown, which is where the you know Exxon is, that it, it would really do big harm to me. Is to get him someplace that it's dry, and luckily we had family in Querétaro. Right. And so they sent me there, and it helped a lot. It helped a lot. I didn't have as many attacks. Mm-hmm. But consequently, now, you know, when I got there, no friends, 
I didn't know anybody, you know, except my family, you know. So you're just like a stranger to everything. Yeah, a stranger in a strange land, oh really. My God. And uh, but there's nothing <clears throat> like putting you in a situation like that where you're forced to do survive. And you're forced to adapt. And, and ad- adapt, and uh, it's amazing what you can adapt to. So it wasn't for uh, in another half year, and I was speaking English, uh, Spanish, you know, fluently because because I had to take Spanish. I had to speak only Spanish because there was nobody who spoke English. But I would get to speak to the uh, tourists who would come into town, and sometimes they'd pay me to take them places. Wow, that's cool. I mean, I would be downtown with my friends, and I could hear some of the bus would come by, and the tourists would get off, and they'd be going, uh, can, can you find me a hotel? Not me. They'd be, I could hear them talking to somebody. Yeah. I need a hotel, someplace to eat. And nobody understanding when I'd I'd see them and I'd go oh, okay and I'd go over there, and I'd say can I help you, and all of a sudden they'd say thank God, somebody speaks English, and I'd get them a ho- I'd tell them where to go for a hotel where to go eat and I'd take them for the rest of the afternoon and they'd give me cash and and they'd have me eat with them and it was a blast so and they probably they would probably look at you and probably think you know. You probably didn't know any English just by right. looking at you. They thought that, of course. <laughs> now, yeah, I mean, because, you know, I'm still Latino. I walked up, right. and for them to hear me speak English, they, they were just like, thank God, you know. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, every time I go over there, they can, people can tell when you're not from that area, just mm-hmm. based on the way you dress, yes. the way you yes. talk. Yes. Um, even here, uh, sometimes I'll have people around me say, you, know, you kind of have an accent when you speak, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't tell. Right. It's either sometimes when I'm speaking English or Spanish, it'd be like, oh, you kind of have an accent. Like, right, right. I can't tell. Yeah, you can't tell. Can't tell. No. Because I speak Spanish at home right. 100% of the time, Right. and I speak English when I'm not at home. Right. Or now, at, even at my job, I'll have to speak Spanish for the for the parents that don't speak any English at all. Right, so I have right. To, right. So we, I'm always... I'm always Speaking Spanish, regardless, I'm not. I'm You're not gonna switching back and forth. Right, switching back. It's and not forth. like I've lost it. I know a lot of people that will try to speak Spanish and they can't say a certain word, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's this word or right. it's that word." Right. It's a plus. It's yeah. a plus. Yeah, and you just kind of you have to you have to keep practicing it. You'll lose it. Yeah. I can easily lose it. Yeah, you'll lose it. Yeah. And there's times where I catch myself. I was like, "Okay, how do you say this again?" Or what right. does this word mean? Right. And I even took advanced uh, Spanish classes in high school. Right. But still, if you don't, if you're if you're not using it constantly, you, I know. You if you don't practice it, it, you're gonna you're gonna you know you, you lose what you don't use. Yeah. So, uh, but you, but it helps to keep practicing it. Mm-hmm. I, I love going to Mexico and having to go down all the way to Mexico City about five years ago was a blast. Yeah. Just having to go in the city. We were only in the city for a little bit, a couple minutes, just driving around. We're just having to go in there and just look at everything, architecture, and then the traffic's very horrible. Yeah, it, yeah. And then you see people all around you just, you know, looking at you. and Right. And then you'll go to a section of town where it's kind of like the red light district of, right. of, the, right. of that city. And, I mean, just shops everywhere, and it's like, this is crazy. Like Mexico City, you mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, isn't it incredible how many people there are in Mexico City? Too many. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> way too many. It's it's one of the most populated cities in the world. You know, you can travel, you can get on a bus or or in a, an automobile, and keep going in a certain direction and and see population. It never stops. It never, never stops. It's like never. you can go for an hour and there's still population, population. So. It's amazing how many people there are. Right, but it's and, beautiful, Mexico City. Oh, beautiful. Definitely, we we had a chance to go to the the pyramids that they have down there, the where the sun pyramids at and the moon pyramid, and we got to climb the sun pyramid. Right. Which has like, I forget how many steps. I think it was three hundred sixty-five right. based on the calendar. Right. Climbed all the way to the top. And Man. All the way back down. It was, it was fun. It, it was like around, I think it was June maybe. It was kind of hot. Right. Um, yeah, I'd say it's about June because I think I went to go see Van Halen about a week later when I came back. Okay. <laughs> back in town. That's the only way I remember because I actually went to go see them. But we were over there for about a week just visiting um, places outside of the city. Right. We were only in the city for maybe a few 30 minutes at the most. It was mostly just the surrounding areas that we were visiting. Did you get to go to Chapultepec? It's the uh, the wa- the uh, little rivers that they have going through the city. Uh, Chapultepec Park. Did we, it's like did a we big there? park there in, in the middle of, of Mexico City. We might have we might have gone. I can't recall for you probably sure. You went to Xochimilco, didn't you? Because we went to this one where they have a... Peña de Bernal, where they have that big boulder. Right. And it's way down in, I forget the name of the town. That's where they have all the all the old, uh, like the old neighborhoods, like the old... Uh, Favelas or... Yeah, it's like, like you know how the stores, they would have like the stores way back then. Right. They'd be all, like just the architecture would be all, you'd look at it and be like, oh, that's... Like the old days, yeah, like, like the, the ones you see in the movies? Kind right, of? right, right. They sell like uh, ponchos and blankets oh, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. It was pretty. It the was pottery, pretty cool. all the pottery, all the, the pottery, mm-hmm. uh, candy, and the jewelry, food, jewelry. It's. Uh, I mean, it's pretty, pretty nice. I really enjoyed going over there. The serapes. Right, right. All that good stuff. Um, it was. It was a lot of fun. I really would want to go back, um, just to go to the city and just right. to visit whatever's there. Um, I'd like to go. I'd like to do that again too. I'd, I would love to do that and go to. Mm-hmm. Chub- I'd like to go to the churches there. Some of the, the churches like downtown. Right. And yeah. in Zocalo, which is I think the area where it's traffic all around it. Zocalo is like where they have the I think the presidential palace. Yeah, yeah, we passed through there. And they have uh, the, the angel. The angel. That, the mm-hmm. angel that I think during uh they've had that angel there on a big pedestal and you you can drive around it. And I I think during uh my aunt was telling me that that they've had it there for a long time. And when she was younger, they, one of the uh, earthquakes that they had in Mexico, one of the big ones, that that thing, that the angel fell and bounced all the way and ended up inside of a bank. Really? Yeah. So, oh, my God. So anyway. Did anybody get hurt? Do you, you remember? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people died in that earthquake because oh it was a big one. It was one right. of the big ones. Was, they, that, was that the last, last big one that happened? I think it was like, what, uh, 
in the 80s or was that way before before then way before before okay. then yeah it would the one she's talking about would have been in the 50s oh okay so that's you know. way back then. yeah way back okay and uh i mean that was a really bad one and of course mexico city will always have earthquakes because it's built on on a lake right because right. i mean that's their history that's mm -hmm. the way it got montezuma that's the way he uh, the way the story goes is that uh, they were almost like nomads. They were traveling. The, the Indians, the, the Aztec Indians, a certain tribe was traveling and never settled down. And uh, finally, the leader got a, a in a dream uh, that his God told him in a dream that where you find where you find an eagle killing a serpent, that's where you shall build your city. So... He woke up, yeah. and you know how they followed their dreams, mm -hmm. you know, unrealistic as it might be. Right. He he traveled. He took his 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 tribe, and actually saw a serpent, uh, an eagle killing a serpent on a on a cactus. And and it was in the middle of the lake. I forget the name of the lake, but it was it's very famous. So he built the city there. So right now, and that's actually true, it's built on a lake. On the lake. So if you notice on a lot of the coins, you see the eagle killing the serpent, the right. snake, on mm -hmm. a piece of cactus. Right. That's because of his dream. And that's why you see it on the on the Mexican flag. The Mexican too. flag, yeah. too. You, I think a lot of people don't, well, I, I want to say a lot of people, I think some people don't actually know that whole history. No, no, they it, might not even know. Right, they may not even know, but that's that's part of it, right? So I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, Montezuma. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I had heard, I had read, read up on all that stuff uh, when I was in high school about the whole history and all. But sometimes, you know, it'll I'll just kind of forget about it. Right. Or, and then I'll see something on the internet that'll... Be like, oh, let Touches me, on it. Yeah, let me look at that. Sometimes something will come up, something about the aliens or something. Or, right. You know how they like to talk about all right. that stuff. Right, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love all that stuff. Right. But it's uh, that's pretty interesting. It is. I mean, there's a whole lot of history about when the Spanish came and, and conquered, you know, all that. Because supposedly that, that whole uh, civilization, the Aztec civilization, was one of the most advanced in the world at the time. When the Spanish came and actually saw the cities and how well built they were, the aqueducts, the water system, all the stuff they saw, they couldn't believe it. They'd never seen anything like that. So they were really advanced, but they were able to conquer the, the Aztecs with almost hardly a, a couple of hundred men. Wow. They were able to do it, and the history was was real rich when you read about it uh, they did some, the the Spanish did bad things to the and that's when they brought in Christianity to to the people and they were also looking for all the gold you know and this was way before guns and tanks right and all oh that, yeah all that oh stuff. yeah way they, before then they I mean, came they, after they just had arrows you know and spears and so and supposedly when the Spanish landed and they had horses one of the uh, one of the aztec uh, rulers or priests had seen in in their his in their uh, uh in the priest saying in all their religion that when they saw uh when they saw the first horse with a guy come off of one of the ships they thought it was one person 
they'd never seen a horse. They'd never, they didn't have any horses. So when they saw the, a guy on a horse, they thought it was one thing. Oh, wow. You know, and they had seen it in, a, in one of their visions that when they saw that, it was going to be, and, and a white guy, that it was that it was the gods, you know, and that, but when, when they started doing everything for them, then they noticed that these guys weren't good, <laughs> you know. Wow. They were there just to kind of screw them, really, wow. and they did, and so. I thought it was that half man, half horse exactly. type of deal exactly. they always talked about. Right. That's crazy. Like a centaur or something. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, so it has a rich history. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And having, you know, having been brought up in that culture, it's... Right. I mean, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, uh, correct, correct. I was talking to my uh, one of my friends earlier, not earlier, but uh, a couple weeks ago about taking a trip to Las Vegas. And I know you've been to Las Vegas. I know you've actually lived in Las Vegas. Right. Uh, what they would like to call Sin City. Right. But a city, a city that never sleeps. Right. Um, and what, st what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. Exactly. All that. Exactly. You know, I've heard countless things about Las mm -hmm. Vegas. I've seen a lot of things on Las Vegas, documentaries, uh, TV shows, what you see in the movies. Um, but just to have lived there, I mean, what what's that like? Just have have just to have him be living in Las Vegas. Well, the, uh, Las Vegas, when I lived there was like two different places how, what i mean by how that long, how long ago was this before you delve in that would have been 1980s around there 19 uh, late 1970s late 70s mm -hmm. late 70s uh actually let me see it would have been 70s no 80s 80s and 60 yeah around 80 81 82 so and this was, was like around, like around Studio Fifty Four, yeah, around that time. Yeah, some of the the bands were some of the bands on there were before the Eagles really hit it big, uh, but it was right before Las Vegas changed into a really huge deal. But it was already famous, right? And you had Las Vegas was like two different had two different parts to it. You had the the Las Vegas people that lived in the city and, and lived and were born there or just uh, lived everyday life, normal life, which was separate from the casino area. Oh, okay. So from the strip. Yeah, so it, it's almost like two different cities. You okay. had at the time you had this area that had all the all the casinos and the strip and that life, and that's where everybody go flies to go to. Yeah. And then you had the actual neighborhoods that hardly ever went into that part unless if they went to go work. So if you were brought up in the neighborhoods and just went to UNLV, you know, the, the college, uh, you lived a normal life. And a lot of them people never saw this area. I mean, they saw it, they've seen it, but they didn't have any reason to go there. Right, it was just kind of like, it's, it's there, so it's, Exactly, it's whatever. like two different cities. They, they didn't have any business over here. If they didn't work there, they didn't go there. They, they didn't want any part of it, you know, because they lived a normal life. They had neighborhoods, stores, malls, and, and, and their own thing. And uh, so it's a separate life from the casino life. But but when you're growing up, if you need a job, you know, if you're a kid and you get in your teens, that's a good place to go work. Oh, you yeah, know? absolutely. You can go get a job. So, but most of my life was... It, there was part of the uh, the neighborhood thing, living in the neighborhoods, but most of my uh, 
life was going to the casinos because I played there. Mm -hmm. And my ex-wife worked there too. So mm -hmm. she worked at one of the shows. And I, I played the, the, the lounges and the clubs there in the in the strip on the strip right i hear i hear those um las vegas you know i, I hear a lot of bands doing uh, flying in to do like corporate shows uh, uh casino gigs uh private parties i hear those are always in demand and pay very very well yeah they do corporate shows play, play if you can get into that circuit that's that's great money you know and you live an easier life because you know you get they pay you high dollar and you you get fed real well you get nice rooms all that so that's a good part of the music business to get into right i hear a band like uh, grand funk railroad does a lot of those uh, casino gigs all over all over the country right and they don't they'll only fly in about for about two days out of a whole weekend and right. then just go back home yeah a lot of bands do that and, and you may not hear of those old bands again but they're still around playing those casinos right because they pay real well and they just do a circuit, you know. They go play in this city, in this state, and do the casinos there. Go to Las Vegas. Do some will do a couple of months here, and then you got casinos like in, in uh, you know in the other states, like in Louisiana. You got casinos there, and they'll just fly in, do a couple of nights, maybe three nights, maybe one night, and then they'll go to Las Vegas and do part of the year. They may do two months there, and they get paid real well. Right. So. You may not hear about them, but they're still doing their thing and, and living a good life. Right. I hear a lot of a lot of those old bands doing doing those residencies that they put up for about maybe for about a month, let's say, a couple of days in between. Right. And they'll, I mean, they'll do a whole theme on the band. I know Kiss did it one time, and they'll 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 I mean they'll go all out. They'll have like their own. Uh, have their logos on the chips and right. they'll right. just they go, customize everything. They go all out. They go all. I know Guns N' Roses has done it. Def Leppard, all the major big bands. You know they figured, hey, let's let's do a residency and that way we can just you know kind of build our own show and we don't have to tear down you know anything. We right. Kind of. And and the, and the casinos will do all that for you. Mm -hmm. A lot of their promotional thing, they'll do it for you. So a lot of that you won't have to pay yourself, and it's promotion right. for you. And you're working. You right. know, you're working. It's like instead of not working, let's stay working and, and bring a paycheck. And it's no hassle because once you're in there, let's say you get booked for two months. Once you're in there, after a week, all you do is just get do whatever you want to all day long. Maybe a rehearsal. And then just go do your show at night for two hours, and boom, you're yeah. you're off. You know, and then you come back the next day or the day after. Exactly, and do it all over. Again. Right, do it all over again, and it's not it's easy work. Right. You know, I know, I know they. Most of these shows, I know they end up doing it for like the hard rock uh, uh, bands. They end up doing them at the at the hard rock, at the hotel. Right. And I know they have the hard rock hotel and casino there. Um, but you'll hear other people, art, major artists doing residencies you know tony bennett's very famous for doing stuff there oh, yeah. um, even to somebody like britney spears um but people do come out from oh yeah all uh, over the, all the over the big, world yeah the big ones britney spears all those people uh they go do you know they might even do some may even do a couple of years at, at a yeah. place you know like at caesar's they have the house gig for two years you know mm -hmm. and 
they could stay there for three years because they're so popular. You know, they fill up the casinos every time they do a show. So the casinos go, oh, we'll keep you. You know, we'll keep you for so, so many, a couple of years. And that's good to be in demand rather than you know, having to be looking for, for okay, can we play here? No, we can't. Yeah, or, yeah can't they don't have to be to looking. They don't yeah. have to. I mean, and plus, those jobs pay a lot. Oh, yeah. I, I, I bet. So, so, I mean, you know, it's incredible how much they pay. I mean, they'll be making millions, and they're guaranteed millions for, you know, two years. Right. Know, so... Yeah, you can you can sit and have a cush job, and and uh, not have to worry about your right. next, where you're going to be working. Right, right. So, any anything, uh, any crazy stories, any bizarre stories from you know being in Las Vegas that you recall, you know, running into you know some like a major artist or celebrity or anything like that that you recall. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, I remember one time we my brother came to visit me and. And uh, we were, we were going to go see uh, the the Grand Prix, the Grand Prix, the racing right. thing. Uh-huh. They had it for a couple of years. They had uh, Caesar's Palace ha- had it in their in their parking lot, you know. Which a lot of countries try to get the Grand Prix, you know, for their for, they bid to have the Grand Prix in their country. Caesar's Palace has it has it in their in their parking lot. Jeez. You know, imagine what kind of money these people are oh. are are bringing in you know mm-hmm. these casinos so we're outside uh, my brother and i we stop and get a hot dog at at a stand before you go inside the stadium or the area and i turn around and there's a guy eating a hot dog he's looking at me and he's shoveling this hot dog in his mouth and i just kind of look and i just, i turn and there was hardly anybody standing right there and uh i turned back around and i said man i recognize that guy and then I, I looked back, and, it, and he was still looking at me, shoveling this hot dog. And he was Stephen Stills, you know, of Crosby, Stills, Nash. Really? And Young. But just, you could be walking around and seeing people like that, you know. He was uh, just eating a hot dog. <laughs> you're right. Exactly. You know. And, and he was uh, looking at you probably thinking, like, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> right. Like, you probably recognized you or something. Right. He was like, that guy looks familiar to me. And I looked back, and I know who that is. That's Stephen Stills. Uh, also, say hi to him or anything? No, I didn't. No. I didn't want to interrupt, want to interrupt his hot dog. Yeah, he, you know. He was you, shoveling it in his you, mouth. You don't want to be that guy that goes up to him, hey. You know, yeah, exactly. You're like, Put yeah. Put your hot I'm, dog down. Talk to me. I'm eating you know? right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, also, one time when I was in, uh, we were I was on the road with a band, and we were playing, of all places, I think it was Amarillo, Texas. And uh, that night, uh, uh, who was Fleetwood Mac was going to be in town, mm-hmm. so we were playing the Holiday Inn, and uh, I had gone out shopping. I came back in, and uh, by the pool area, uh, the band uh, the, uh, Fleetwood Mac was sitting around the pool. They had come in, they had flown in, and they were going to play that night. And I was like, God, that's Fleetwood Mac. You're freaking out inside. Yeah, like, oh my and, God. Yeah, you know, they're just they're just sitting there waiting to get their room keys. Uh, were you a fan of Fleetwood Mac before before yeah. all this happened? Yeah, I was. And it was the new incarnation. They had just gotten uh, they had just got they had Christine McVie, and they had uh, the new members, the the girl and the guy, uh, Lindsey Buckingham Lindsay Buck- and Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. They had just jo- jo- well about a couple of years before then. And uh, 
they said I went up and talked to them and I talked to them for a little bit and they, I, I asked them what do you guys have to do and said well we have to go get a sound check they said but we're going to come back and uh, we're going to rest and then we're going to go do the gig but afterwards where do we go I said well we're playing here at, at the lounge and it was a nice lounge and I said I'm playing with the band here and they said oh well, well can we come in and said yeah after the gig come in you know and uh so I was excited, you know. So we went and did, we, they, we let the afternoon pass by. They took off their direction. They went and got their sound check. And then they went and did their concert at the local venue. And we were playing at night. And I was just kind of monitoring my watch going, they should be off of Brown now. It was about 11.30, you know, 12 o'clock. And we didn't finish till 1.00. And around 12 o'clock, they walk in and they and they sit right in front of us in the band, you know, right in front of us. And oh, I'm talking going, about oh, pressure. But, yeah, here they are, here, here, uh, you know. And uh, so we did our set, and uh, of course they were they were screaming out old songs like "Oh Well," which was one of the old. And, again. That song, you know, oh, well, at the end, it's just like. So they did a song like that, and they requested it. Of course, uh, I knew part of it, you know, and uh, but the rest of the guys didn't know it, and I, and I said, no, 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 we can't do this. But they sat there for the whole for the rest of the night that we played. And then we finished, and I went straight to talk to them. And they and uh, we happened to be able to get the key to the club after everybody left, because we could go rehearse after we finished playing. So we said, hey, why don't you meet us over here, over here at the club at about 1.30, everybody will be gone. We can get in the club, we got the key to the club. Nobody will be there. It'll just be us. And sure enough, they return. We had the key. We opened the club, and we locked it behind us, and we had the whole club to ourselves, the bar, the bandstand, and it was just our band and their band. Wow. And this was way before cell phones. So you could just imagine just just being being in the room with them just playing with them. Oh yeah. I mean, we were sitting right next to each other. I was right here in a, in a booth. And uh, Christy McVeigh was across from me. Stevie Nicks was right next to me. And we're just talking in, in the booth, you know. And the, and uh, they said, can we get up and jam? Yeah. So I got up and jammed with them. I got on the guitar. Mick Fleawood got on the drums. John McVeigh got on the bass. And we were jamming and jamming. And then they got up and jammed. And I didn't learn till later that when they got up and jammed, and it was our band just watching them, they were rehearsing their Rumors album. Cool. So we were able to sit there and have a private concert of their Rumors, what was later to become the Rumors album. Like a little private uh, listening Oh, yeah, listening it was a party. private deal. And they were actually talking about it. No, on this part, let's, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. And so they're, they're rehearsing the Rumors album that would later become famous. 
That's crazy. So, so stuff happens on the road. That's you know? crazy. <laughs> Not many people can say that they jam with Fleetwood Mac, right, other right. than you know the major yeah. artists. Right. But not. But local. Locally, just, not many people can say right. that. It's ha not, it happens, you know. They probably say, "Yeah, I saw them in concert. Yeah, well, you know, I jam right. with them." Right. No, <laughs> I, I didn't have to get a ticket or nothing. So that's crazy. <laughs> and you're probably just standing there, just thinking, "Man, I'm like, is this really? Is this really happening? Is this really happening?" But that's part of the thing that happened when you're on the road, you know. That's crazy. So that is that is crazy. But yeah, having the I really love to visit Las Vegas one day. We're trying to see if we can get out later this year, um, just to because I know there's a lot of I know there's a lot of major attractions out there. I know now uh, I'm a big fan of the UFC. Constantly, they're always having their events. They used to have right. them at the at the MGM. But now they have that new, uh, what's that place called? T-Mobile Arena. Right. I think it's like maybe about a, not twice the size of the MGM Grand, but it's a little bit bigger. I'd okay. say it's maybe like a little bit bigger than Toyota Center maybe. Okay. Because I know Guns N' Roses played two back-to-back -back shows, sold-out shows. In Las Vegas. In, at, the, at the new arena. Okay. This is the when they reunited last year. Right. Sold out. Not many... How many bands can say that they they can do that right. nowadays? Right. Twenty seventeen. That's big. That's and big. especially for like the old school bands, Guns right. N' Roses, and Metallica. Right. I was listening to to a podcast on the way over here uh, with the singer for Metallica, and he was talking about how you know how he's about the same age as my dad. He's about fifty three, fifty four. How they're still out there doing it out well, on the yeah. road and just selling out stadiums wherever they go yeah. putting out new music yeah you know they still command that big audience yeah so i mean there's still a lot of people the people that were following were still you know rabid about them right how familiar are you with uh with metallica going back to i know they they came out way back in like 83 when uh, that whole thrash movement was coming out, all the fast, the fast uh, heavy metal. But eventually, they managed to stay the course throughout the years, you know, right. putting out albums. And I know, I know they get a, I know like a, a lot of bands, they they get a lot of hate for, let's say like the first three, four albums, are classics, right? And then they come out with the album that came out in 91, 91, 90, 91, the Black Album, where they just went mainstream. Right. They just blew up. Right. You'll have people that say, well, you know, that's when they went mainstream, you know. Oh, people, being, uh, yeah. yeah, they're being played on the radio. They sold out. Yeah. And then the album after that, they come back and everybody has haircuts and the music's completely different. Right. You know, they start adapting uh blues and country and they go in different directions right going in different directions and then the, you know it's changing throughout their career whereas to now in the last maybe 10 years they're kind of going back to kind of like their roots right but kind of putting in more of a little modern touch right but still having that old school but you still along the way you'll have some of the critics come out and go oh you abandoned right. your roots you sold out you know i think it's a your critics are you know, a dime a dozen to me, you know, because they can sit there and critique. And, uh, you know, bands will will have their roots to me. They'll ha like Metallica will have their roots. 
I don't know that much about them, you know, but mm-hmm. I know for re- bands that make it big that follow that same thing, would your, that same uh, line of what, you know, starting out with their roots, right. then later on and be, having three or four great albums and then then commercializing somewhere along the line. Then later on coming back, you know, to going back to their roots again. But along the way, there's a lot of critics who will say, oh, you abandon your roots here. That's going to happen. Right. You know, that's going to happen. And I think it's still the artist to do what they need to do, you know, because they're ex- they're experimenting, too. And some may sell out. Some may not have a choice, you know, because it's either that or disappear. Because a lot of times if you stay with your roots, you outlive you outlive the uh, progression of, you know, that now you have a whole different scene out there. If you don't stay if you don't kind of stay kind of current, you know, you still might have your roots. Right. But you're going to be broke. Right, right. <laughs> you're going to be broke. And, and who are you going to listen to? Your critics? Especially if somebody comes along and says, look, man, you can play. Here, I'm offering you Las Vegas for three years over here. You're going to have to do this, you know. Yeah. You know, you can. Do, but look at what Kiss did. They they followed. They didn't care. what you know? Right. And you still go through your through your ups and downs of, of, you know, should we do this? Should we not do this? Right. What are we going to lose? What are we going to... But I think it's a natural course of events. Right. Know? And they, the Kiss, they were actually one of the few bands that were able to adapt every in every scene. I know when they took the makeup off in the 80s, you know, that was when the whole, uh, what the, uh, the hair bands were out. Poison and Rat and Motley Crue. So they were like, okay, that look is in. Let's, you know, puff let's our hair up. Yeah, let's, let's put the makeup, uh, not the actual makeup, their makeup, but, yeah. you know, like lip gloss, right. and eyeliner. Right, right. And then the 90s came through with grunge, so they say, okay, that's in. Let's get a little heavier this time. Start wearing all black and leather studs. And, you know, a lot of people saw it as them having a midlife crisis. But, right. I mean, it, it happens. And then. They did the whole reunion thing, and they just came full circle. They went back to what they started doing in the exactly. first place. I, exactly. The costumes and the, the makeup. and. The, but it's time to do that now. I think it's smart business. Right. It's smart business. Right. So, and, and like like you were saying before, there's not there's not many bands that are, have been able to pull that off. I know ACDC is one of them, where every album that you pick up and that they put out, you know, it just sounds like, the last one. Right, and right. What's the, the new album going to sound like? What's going to sound like ACDC? Right, right. It says straight ahead, uh, rock and roll, rock and roll punch, you know, rhythm, bass, guitar. Yeah. No keyboards, no, you know, right. backing vocal. Well, raw. Little, yeah, very raw. raw. Um, not that many bands come to mind that actually have stayed true to, true, true to, to what they started out to do. I, I mean, when I saw ACDC last year, that was just it just blew me away i'm thinking oh my god this is this is the way before uh brian johnson uh left the band and all these other issues started happening when they had to bring in the axel rose to start singing right but it's very i mean they just blew me away completely i was like oh my god it was in a good way yeah listening to them for since i was a little kid you know i know my dad comes around saying, man, I remember when I went to go buy Back in Black when it just came out. Right. Because he grew up listening to them when Bon Scott was still in the band, right before he died. Right. And then 
he heard that one in Back in Black, and he was like, oh, my God, this is, I got to get that. I got to get that. Yeah. And sure enough, we went to go see them. He's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm watching them live. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Who would, whoever ever thought. And there was the sound. There it was. Yeah, it's like right in your face. It's like, just like we went to go see Black Sabbath shortly after. Right. With the three out of the four original members. It's like, oh, my God, this is, it was the, their last show. It's like, this is it. It's like, you're here. Yeah. It's you know, a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, just growing up, uh, listening to all that stuff, and then being able to actually see it live later. That's and be crazy, here. Yeah. crazy feeling. Yeah. I know... I've, with all the bands I've seen, uh, I think there's only a handful that I haven't seen. Um, Judas Priest, right. Iron Maiden. Those are probably the only two that, that are left on my list that have to cross out. Right. The right. Scorpions. The Scorpions. Um, just a handful of of uh, artists that I haven't seen yet. Right. But I've seen most of the ones that I've that I really like. That you want. Kiss, Motley Crue, Van yeah. Halen, Def Leppard. Um, even to some of like the obscure uh, British bands like Saxon. And, right. Um, I missed out on Motorhead right uh, shortly before Lemmy passed away. This was years ago. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to come through town and they were on the bill, but I think they had to pull out at the last minute. Okay. I think Lemmy was already sick then. Okay. So... But yeah, I missed out on them. I missed out. Who did I miss out on? Um, there's only a handful that I've missed out on actually that yeah. have come through. But I've seen most of the ones I've been wanting to see on their last tours. Yeah. I saw Rush on their last tour. Right. Uh, it's just amazing. Yeah. And who knows? Who knows how many? How many more? I know Metallica's coming up with a, a U.S. run later this year. Uh, I'm you too just got announced earlier today. Oh really? And it's one of, another one of those bands where you know I've enjoyed their music. Right. Never seen them live, but right. and they have a lot of hits. They're right up there with Metallica and all the major bands. Right. That I think they're playing at the at the stadium. Not for the rodeo. No, no. I know Easy Top's playing at the rodeo. Right, right. And they're they go way back. Oh yeah, big time. Ba- oh, way yeah, back. Yeah, way back. So, yeah. So it's, uh, it's one of those crazy things that you start traveling and especially as a musician, right. you know, having to run into people like that. By any chance, still on the Las Vegas topic, um, do you ever happen to catch any, like any of the boxing fights that they ever had there? Yeah. Uh, Hector and I got to go, my brother, Hector and I got to go see, it was, did we get, uh, who did we see? Was it uh, Hearns? Tommy Hearns. I think it's one of the Hearns fights. Uh, I'm I'm not sure exactly which one it was, but I actually got to meet Hearns too. Really? Yeah, but that, that was here in town. Uh-huh. I was playing uh, the Holiday Inn at the time. It was called the Crown Plaza over by the Galleria, and he came in to do something, uh, either a, an exhibition or something. Like a little signing. Yeah, and and he was staying at the hotel there. Mm-hmm. And his manager was in the bar when we were playing there. I, mean, I was playing in a trio, just a, a little jazz trio. And uh, the, the manager came up and talked to us. We were talking to him. I said, hey, is there any chance I can meet meet him? And he said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell him we've got to go that we've got to go out. But on our way out, if you're if you're on break, I'll introduce you to him. 
That's crazy. And uh, Tommy Hearns. Sure enough, I was on break and I saw them coming out of the the elevator because they were fixing to go out. And uh, Tommy Hearns was there, you know, with his manager. And he they came up and his manager said, "Yeah, I want you to meet these guys. They're the band here right now." And I got to shake his hand and, and he's we sat there and, and just talked for about five minutes. But one of the things I remember about him was that when he put his hand around my hand, it felt like a baseball glove. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Although he was just slightly taller than I am, his hand was like a baseball glove, you know, from years of yeah. punching, you know? Yeah. he You talk about a savage. Tommy yes. Hearns, oh, my God. I know it, man. I mean, oh one of the very best. Oh, yeah. I actually got a chance to meet Mike Tyson a couple months ago over here by uh they have a sports memorabilia store down in Baybrook and he was doing a signing there and I said man I gotta I gotta go because I missed him the first time so I said I'm gonna go down there and you know buy a ticket to take a picture and again you know he's not he's not that much taller than me maybe about a couple inches maybe but when I shook his hand also I was like oh my god this guy is Mike Tyson right you know, the guy that, you know, was knocking people out left and right. Exactly. And he can probably still throw down, well, no doubt. It. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like very soft-spoken, you know, talk to him. He's like, hey, how you doing? You know, he's a little, with yeah. his little voice and everything. We took a picture and that was about it. But I'm, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big boxing fan. Going all the way back to all, the, all those old boxers. Uh, yeah, uh, Tommy, Hector, Hector Camacho. Oh yeah, uh, Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns. Uh, which, the, the big fight that happened with Tommy Hearns and uh, uh, it was a huge. It was the big fight Tommy Hearns was in. Uh, Sugar Ray. Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. Roy Jones Jr. I remember when that happened, the Sugar Ray Leonard Tommy Hearns fight. Boy, that was everybody was watching that. <laughs> everybody was watching it, man. That is crazy. And, and uh, I mean, I loved both of them. You know, both of them. I, I, I wasn't for any one in particular. Right, right. And boxing nowadays seems to have kind of. It's not as not as mainstream as it used to be. Now that mixed martial arts has kind of right. taken over. Yeah. Um, you still see a lot of. In as a matter of fact, I, I haven't seen the fight. I saw highlights of uh, the the last Hopkins fight. Where people were saying, you know, he's too old, and what's he still doing up there? And he just uh, got knocked out of the ring. Did he really? Yeah, he just got knocked out of the ring. He said he fell out of the ring. Right? I don't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> you, could cl- you could clearly see that he was taking shots. And he fell out of the ring. I think he hit his head on the way down. Ooh, okay. He kept saying, no, he pushed me out. He pushed me out. Let me back in. Really? And... I mean, he just didn't seem like he didn't know where he was. Did so he wanted to get back in, but he he was just and the referee was like, "All right, that's it. Yeah. I'm calling it." But it's one of those things where you know you can't you can't be. I guess they just it's just the the love for the sport. Yeah, they just can't seem to get away from it, no matter how old you are. But it used to be really huge, you know. I mean, oh during, yeah, during, yeah. Uh, the Spinks days. The uh, mm-hmm. then there was the uh, what. Uh, Who's the one that bit uh, Holyfield, Evander Holyfield, uh-huh. Tyson, all that? So I mean, all it was pretty big time. Oh yeah, they yeah. Have, all the bars would fill up. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think it may have been the last because uh, you see fighters now. You have people like Canelo and uh, uh, 
but even Chavez's son, Chavez Jr., I mean, he's kind of, he's not, a, he's not his dad. Right, right. But he's kind of, uh, he's, he's out there, but he's not, you know, his dad's a legend. So, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have your people like, uh, like Chavez or uh, George Foreman, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, people now like Floyd Mayweather, which is kind of like Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> but now you have mixed martial arts taking over. You yeah. have women fighting in, in yeah, MMA. Right, right. Which is crazy. I know the last fight that we watched last week with the Ronda Rousey, her big comeback fight. Did, did you see that? Yeah, it, it was. And now, who was she fighting? She was fighting this uh, chick named uh, Amanda Nunez. She's from Brazil. She was the she's the champion right now. She was the defending champion then. And uh, they build it as the big comeback fight for Ronda Rousey, completely ignoring, you know, the champion. Right. right. Which is usually the focus of the fight. The yeah. Champion. Right. No, but the big uh, the big hoopla. thing was Ronda Rousey. She's and coming back. And how many rounds did it go? Didn't go out of the first round. Didn't even last a minute. Really? 48 seconds. Before it was over completely? <laughs> because she went in there. Who did? Who went Ronda. in there? She Ronda. She went, went in, in there. And then just kind of started going. Mm-hmm. And then Nunez just starts unloading on her. And okay. She, to me, it seemed like Ronda had no no stand-up game as far as boxing. Because uh-huh. she was getting hit She was a getting lot. hit. And I'm thinking, okay... Kind of weave a little yeah, bit. Yeah, do some. Bob and weave, move around. Yeah. She was just standing there like, Taking okay, it? I don't know what to do. And Really? She kind of throw around. Like she was out of shape? Or I, like, I saw several of her videos of her. Like she was stunned like or shadow something? boxing. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly just her. It's like, you know, when people shadow box, you're moving around. And yeah. She was just standing there, you know. Staying in the same place. It's like. Your opponent's not going to be standing there Correct. waiting for you to yeah. hit them. Right. And she got, I mean, she got stunned several times. Before you know it, she gets clocked in the chin, uh-huh. kind of steps back a little bit. She clocks her again, kind of falls towards the cage, uh-huh. clocks her one more time. The ref gets in there, and that's it. That's it. And then she kind of steps back and kind of, like, looks around and is like, oh, my God, like, what happened? Uh, really? I mean, I don't know if it was... She had a whole year to train for being right. for being knocked out from the last fight. Yeah. So I don't know if this has to do with you know her whole thing mentally or emotionally because she was very affected after that first knockout. You know, you know that really surprised me about, it, but it showed her. It showed it showed who she was. You know, because I mean. She was used to intimidating her fighters before. I, I don't know that much about her, but she was used to intimidating her fighters. So psychologically, she already had them beat uh, uh, psychologically before they stepped in. They were already af- afraid of her before she walked in, right? Right, right. So it's, it's kind of like the Mike Tyson effect where he was just knocking dudes left right. and right. And then I don't know where he gets knocked out by, uh, what's the guy's name? Buster Douglas? Right. And then it's like, okay, I got knocked out. Right. Okay, what, what do I do? What happened? What do I do now? And right. have to get up. Right. So I think it was, I think it was one of those things where she had a lot of people telling her, kind of like reaffirming that she was invincible. Right. But you're kind of forgetting who you're going up against because this this girl she was going up against black belt in jujitsu, amazing striker. Right. People were just saying, oh, you know, Ronda's coming back. I 
you know, I wanted Ronda to win. Right. But deep down inside, I'm like, you can't miscount the other girl. No way. You can't. You can't do that. Because all Ronda had was her judo, which... Not when, enough. When you're going up against a black belt in jiu-jitsu and who's also a really good striker, that's, you know, you got to have yeah. more than that. In yeah, your you got to have more than that. Well, I'm, I'm surprised that that's all she did. You know, that, that's, that's all she did. That means, I mean, and, and the fact that when she lost the first time and then what it did to her, it showed me that she didn't have enough backup in her own self. Right. It's like, man, you got to be ready to lose. And you, and you can't just let it destroy yeah. you yeah completely. It, that means psychologically you don't have much going on back there you know psychologically right. uh i give it more to the people who get up and go and 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 don't let don't let it bother them that much and go train even mm -hmm. harder and don't... like uh conor mcgregor yeah and, i remember when he fought the first time he fought uh, nate diaz he was just nate diaz just mopped the floor with him choked him out second fight comes up and he's like well i got beat the first time i'll make sure it doesn't happen again right. he completely destroyed diaz in the second fight i mean he knocked him down i'd say maybe about three times right and diaz is a way taller fighter than him has a longer reach mcgregor's really really short and built but he knew what he had messed up on but he and came he back and he, and he destroyed diaz completely he just yep. That means he's stronger in in mind and all that. Oh which, yeah, which is you, you know I was surprised that Ronda mm -hmm. it destroyed her like that. I right. was very surprised. Going, well, who who what are you made of? You know, is yeah. it all just a little brawn? You know, mm -hmm. and so that really surprised me that right, she right. let it get you know destroy you, herself. You think they'd come back? You know, think kind of like in the Rocky movies where. You know, I think it was in the third one where he's on top of, at the beginning, he's on top of the world and, you know, he's getting all these commercials and uh, all these, he's getting paid a lot of money to fight. And then you see uh, Mr. T in the background just training, training and training. And eventually he loses the fight because he has all these things going on all around him. His trainer. He forgets. Yeah. He, his trainer, uh, Mickey being ill and not training enough and eventually he comes back and wins right. the fight wins yeah. the belt back i mean it's typical yeah it goes to show who you are you know who right what are you made of you know right what is the core how did you get there right by training and by right you can't underestimate your opponent right you can't you can't let people t in your mind tell you you're the greatest you're the greatest and when then it get to your head mm-hmm because it happens. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah, and believe me, if you quit training for anything you do, there's somebody waiting. There's a million of them waiting. Right. Someone who's <laughs> so, better, better than you. Right. Right. Let Bef it get to your head. Before we wrap up, uh, now that we're talking about martial arts mm -hmm. and all that, uh, we've talked a lot before about uh, martial arts, and uh, you actually mentioned you actually did martial arts when you were yeah, much younger. Much younger, right. How old were you when you started uh, training, and what what did you start training? Well, it was in my twenties, and and it was uh, with a guy named Kim Su in downtown, and he was like in those days the the mayor of of, of Houston. There made there was a day called Kim Su Day, in because he had contributed so much to the to the city, to the local schools, to uh, children who who came from a bad part of town, and he and he helped them get out of the bad you know their bad life and so I studied under him 
and it was uh, it was a uh, taekwondo. So it was okay. it was a mixture of, of karate and 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 all that and kick kicks and and all that. So, uh, but I'd always go in and and come out with my my gi drenched and yeah. in sweat, right. you know. And it was like, God, dog, it's all, you know. And 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 there was kind of. Uh, There'd be girls in there with uh, with black belts that they'd have me that you know, younger than me that I'd spar with that 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 would come at me and I'd go God get me away from this you know they're gonna <laughs> kick my butt here you know a little girl's gonna kick my butt right right so I've been thrown around like just, that too it just shows you uh, you know uh, what what was the main thing that you that you took away from uh, how long did you do it for I did it probably for about. Almost eight years, probably. Really? You know, eight wow. years on and off. I'd I'd go and I'd come back. I'd go and I'd come back. Mm-hmm. And and they moved. Uh, they were they were on Long Point. They moved to downtown. Later on, they they had like four schools. You know, Kim Su did. Uh, so wherever I was living close to, he, I could get to a Kim Su place. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I I like doing it. Uh, but what I took away from it was how much hard work. How much dedicate? How much? How much it pays off when you put in the work, you know, and uh, and to uh, to be physically prepared for like self defense. It's gonna take more. It's 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 gonna take more for you to be prepared. You know, you got to put in the time. So, so don't ever think you can take care of a situation. Right. You know, when you're in a real fight, mm-hmm. you know. And and what I also took away from it is to use your brain to get out of it. You don't have to start fighting right. to have get to out of it. Confront it, yeah. Yeah, to, and uh, if if you can find a way to get out of it, that's the better way. You right, know? right. Because also, if you can't get out of it, be prepared to give it your all. But you don't want to telegraph your moves. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to let them. You don't want to make make yourself into a big shot in front of them. Well, hit me first. Well, I'm yeah. going to kick your butt. I'm going to do. No, don't even telegraph yeah. any of that. When they least expect it, mm-hmm. you know, it could be you could be looking like an ant, and when they do something, it, you you could make yourself look like you're just a, a skinny little runt. Mm-hmm. But if you're not telegraphing it and do it real quick and fast, then you end the fight quick. And there's not more to it, but if you can walk away from it, right, that's right. a better deal. That's like, what I got out of it. Right, and that's what they teach us. I started practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu last last year in September, kind of on and off again. I'm gonna uh, commit to start going more often this year. Uh, and again, it's the same thing that you that the professor teaches us is not uh, not just being able to apply that, you know. In times of danger, but you know, avoiding yes. at all costs. You know, just using your head a little bit, saying, "You know what? Just kind of step away from it." Yes. And unless you really feel that your life's in danger, then that's that's the only mm-hmm. time because to walk away from. And you know, it's it's amazing that pe- that people, when you get caught in a situation like that in public or so, you know, when you can walk away from it, most of the people that are seeing it will side with the person who was able to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing good about getting into a fight uh, 
uh, on the street. There's oh, no. nothing good about it. No, it doesn't look. It doesn't turn out to look like in the sh in the movies mm -mm. or on TV shows. It no. never looks like that. You never know. It never ends up like that. Yeah, you never know. The person might have a weapon, exactly, on, a gun or a knife, and hurt you and other people around you. You know, if you can disarm the situation, you know, I think I, I like I think I told you before there were situations when I was on the road and playing clubs. It's cow, you know. Uh, some uh, cowboy places, some country places, where I'd find myself in the bathroom or at a bar, and somebody would be trying to get, trying to fight with me. And most of the time, I w they would say something to me to try to get a rise out of me. Mm -hmm. Try to pump you up. Or to try to piss me off, mm -hmm. or to try to get me to, right. to like they might say, you're an you know, you're a jackass, or, or you're mm -hmm. some somebody I didn't even know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just trying to start a fight with me, and uh, it might be some redneck. You know, mm -hmm. didn't like the way that I looked. <laughs> you know, because I had longer hair or whatever. Yeah, I'd be in a country place, and they didn't. You know, and uh, most of the time I would agree with them, and I did that intentionally. I'd go, Yeah, you're right. You're you're, you're probably right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know. By the end of the night, they would be buying me drinks. <laughs> you know, it just goes to show that you can, with your brain, you yeah. can turn the situation around because they they're not prepared for you to no. it was for you to say yeah you're you're right yeah you're they're right. not expecting that well wait a, well wait a minute I just told you you know you were you were this or that yeah. man hey, you're right you know you know and they don't see it you know if you absolutely have to then you take care of the situation if you can't get out of it but. Most of the time, they'd be buying me drinks at the end of the night, <laughs> and that man, and they don't really know why they did that. Yeah, yeah. So, except that you diffused the situation, mm -hmm. and now they're on your side. Right, right. Yeah, martial arts is one of those things I, I've always, I've always been been in love with it since I was a kid. Um, I was kind of more into pro wrestling growing up, but still on the side, it was you know I loved Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee. Um, uh, all those uh, Steven Seagal, right? Yeah, all those. You know, as as bad as people say, uh, might say that his movies are really bad, but I'll watch them any day. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. They're what they are. They were yeah. fun. They were yeah. fun. I mean, he's invincible in every movie. So right. I don't care. <laughs> right. But I've always taken an interest, and in now I see that a lot of people don't want to say it's starting to become trendy, but a lot of more people are uh, practicing jujitsu. You know, a lot of celebrities, uh, musicians, also. Um, especially out in the UFC, you you see it. You see it more, being more predominant now, yeah. where the fighters are pulling off uh, rear naked chokes and uh, right. triangle chokes, Americanas, and right. all this. And they teach us all that stuff in the gym. You know, I'm always, I'm I'm rolling with people twice the size as me, right? Uh, people smaller than me, women. Right. Women that are bigger than me, women right. that are smaller than me. Uh, I've even had a chance to roll with my professor, and I, <laughs> I wish I would not would have not done that. But it was kind of it's humbling in a way because all he was doing was you know he was using just his right hand, and I was on the on my back, and he had he had my gi over my face, and he was just you know pressing down on me, and I'm trying to get out, and, and you, he's like, "What are you doing? You're just giving up all your positions." Yeah, to me. right. I was like, I'm trying to get out. I'm thinking, and he's like, don't panic, you know, because when you're in a position like this, you feel claustrophobic. Correct. 
So you just have to think like, okay, just remember what you did when you were warming up. You know, your shrimp escapes and right. bridge escapes, and I'm over there trying to get out, and right. I can't get out. But I like the way he teaches. He teaches you um, how to do the technique. If you're doing it wrong, uh, he'll tell you that you're doing it wrong. And I'll ask him, okay, what am I doing wrong? What happens when I do it wrong? Okay, this is what happens. And he'll show you what happens when you do it wrong. When you do it right, this is what happens. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. It all comes on the... But it's all about repetition, uh, being consistent with it. Um, yeah, repetition, and, uh, repetition. Right. It's, it, it, and stuff gets in the way at times, and it's kind of hard for, for me to go back to. But every time I go back, the mats are always there. So. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, one of those things that I've actually... Along with lifting weights, you know, it's uh, you just come out uh, feeling better, feeling better towards the end of the day. Yes. And it's not about, like you said, being a big shot or anything like that. It's just yeah. something that I enjoy doing. You know, I never I never got into team sports. I played a little basketball here and there, a little baseball, football. But this is one of those things where, you know, anybody can do it. You can yeah, be as small as you can. And, you know, like I said, <laughs> there's people in my gym that, look like they belong in the UFC and I train with them and it hurts sometimes right but you know most times they're they're there to help you right right they'll be like okay you know I know I'm a bigger guy than you but this is what you can do in a situation like this oh okay cool use your knee a little bit more here or use your leg a little bit more here okay that's good that's so good they're always you know they're always there to help and my professor's always saying oh you know you're back. It's been a long time. I was like, yeah, you know, things get in the way health-wise, yeah. job, personal life. Right. Sometimes you just don't feel like going. You're like, right. I don't feel like going today. But it's always good that it's there for you. Yeah, it's always there. It's always there so, for and, you. So. You know, you pay for, you pay for what you get. Right. You know, it's, it's quality. My professor, uh, he's about maybe two years older than me. So we're about the same age. But he grew up in it way, uh, in Brazil. He's a, of course, he's a black belt, so right. most of his life was jujitsu. So it's a pretty amazing the lineage that he that he has oh, yeah. coming from the from the Gracies and all that. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I enjoyed doing it and gonna keep doing it for as long. And the, the as far as belts go, you know that's that's just secondary to me. I'm right. not I'm not looking to comp- maybe down the road. Who knows? Just taking it one step at a time. Just uh. Earn a stripe here, earn a stripe there. Right. Earn a stripe here, earn a stripe there. Yeah. How um, how far did you get in in Taekwondo as far as the the ranking system? I think it was just to to a green belt. I think that's about as far that's as about I it. got. So you never competed or anything like oh, that. Oh no, no, never did. And, and I was in a school, a kickboxing school at one time where where uh, they competed, they competed, and uh, the only thing was at one point I started entering my hands. Oh, okay. I started injuring my hands because I was, they were demanding a lot of punching of me and hard, hard punching, you know, and, be, and before I quit, I, I hurt my hands. I'm, they got to where they swole up and they hurt. And, and one day I woke up, I go, wait a minute, what are you doing? You know, I, I do it cause I love it, but I don't, I don't need to be doing that much as far mm-hmm. as punching. Because they were competing and, and they were approaching me like, okay, punch like you're competing, you know. They were they were necessarily doing that, but I wasn't thinking. I was I was I was just okay, punch punch hard, but then I I so 
I quit doing that. I, not the not the martial arts, but I quit the anything hardcore about it. Most things that I liked is how much in shape it kept me. Oh yeah, definitely. I've 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 seen it first. Cause it, it forces you to become, I guess, flexible and you know, kind of move in way in yes. ways that you never moved before. Yeah, and stretching and all of that. I mean, it keeps like, you it keeps you in shape. So that's what I got, that's what I enjoy about it. So right, right. It's a wonderful thing, and I, I enjoy doing it. I love reading about it and watching right. movies about it. So yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a whole other thing. Well, Haley, thanks again for for your time. You're sit, welcome. We'll uh, continue this conversation and always talk about everything in between music, traveling, and such. But uh, it's uh, I've had a good time. Thank you, good. Bro. Same here. Same here.